Hello and welcome to Borked, the podcast by Geeks for Geeks. I'm your host, David Eagle. I have with me my co-hosts, Jay. Yo. And Rev. Hello. And we've got a fantastic show lined up for you, as per always. (laughs) First and foremost, we want to tell you what we've been up to this week. And uh, I'm going to kick it off. I have been up to some movie watching and some uh, some job hunting and, and all that, as usual. And I, I watched Plan 9 from Outer Space. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Really? No. Classic, classic movie, Bela Lugosi. Um, really great. It, the, the plot, it's all about these aliens who come to Earth and then resurrect uh, the dead in order to prove a point. Um, you know, you travel from a distant galaxy. You bring three dead people back to life to make a point. I think uh, it's pretty potent. Hmm. And it was fantastic. So that was a lot of fun. It's totally campy and cheesy and absolutely amazing. Like, that's what I loved so much about it. Um, it was classic, like, old school, just goofy horror movie. It was a lot of fun to watch. You should watch it. And the the main alien guy, I was watching the credits, as I often do at the end of a movie, and the main alien guy's name was, his real name, are you ready for this? You're not ready for it. Mm-hmm. You couldn't possibly be ready for it. Go. It was Dudley Manlove. Wow. Oh, so that's a gem. I'm putting that yeah. in the old book O names in case I ever adopt an immigrant child. That's incredible. Because I think adopted children should be punished. Um, <laughs> punished by their adoptive parents for for the uh, obvious inadequacies that caused their natural parents to put them up for adoption. So Yikes. anyway, moving right along. Uh, so I did that, and that was a lot of fun. What else have I been I got a job for uh, a large insurance company. Woo! I'm going to be... Yeah, it's good. Good news. Good news. I'm going to be leading their uh, one of their tech teams. So I keep my geek cred. A lot of people ask me, you know, are you satisfied with the uh, with the job that you're doing? Are you sure you don't want to take this time and kind of transition into a new career or new? And I was like, well, look, I know how to con people into paying me a lot of money to do technical stuff. And I have no idea how to con people into paying me a lot of money to do anything else. So maybe I should stick with this pretend skill set instead of trying to switch to some other pretend skill set. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited about that. I actually start there on Monday, and I'm going to be uh, working with a team of like the best and the brightest engineers uh, in the company. And I'm really excited about uh, being there. So... That's been pretty much my week, and it's been pretty cool. I'm, I'm sure there was other stuff. Like, I watched all my TV shows, except for the ones that got ruined by baseball. And if you're a baseball fan and you're listening to this podcast, even if I call you a friend, even if we confide in each other and we share and whatever, like, if you are a baseball fan and you interfere with me watching Fringe or Bones for a week, um, I hate everything you stand for. So, Fair enough. Yeah, Jen was pretty upset. Yeah, I'm... I'm I'm real, real mad about that. I don't know why people would like baseball, uh, but if you do, I don't like you right now. And I'm sure we'll be fine. Like, you know, our relationship can recover. You're gonna have to send me some cash. I'm not gonna lie. I'll be upfront <laughs> about like, you know, you gotta, you gotta send me some money. But buy the DVDs for the season. Yeah, seriously. Like, are yeah. we gonna see that episode? What happens when your show gets? What is it called? Is it preempted? Is that what it is? I don't know. Essentially, but when your show, that's not the word they use. That's what is required. But yeah, when your show when your show doesn't air, do they push the whole broadcast schedule back, or do they just skip an episode? They just push it back. I hope that's the truth. Because so you actually pretty, didn't miss anything. Things are getting pretty intense. Well, I missed it this week. You just have to wait. I don't wait. I don't wait well. All right. 
well, let us move on. Um, that was that was it for me. I watched some TV shows that were fantastic. I don't know if you guys are watching Castle or not, but it's great. There was uh, I don't know if it was this week or last week, but there was a very very slight and subtle reference to a uh, Firefly thing. So if you are a fan of Firefly and you're a fan of Nathan Fillion, you should be watching Castle. It's a great show. It's a lot of fun. Um, let's kick it over to Jay. What did you do this week, sir? Uh, well, uh, first of all, you have to pardon my lack of voice. Um, yesterday I went to the Sounders game, and hence I have no voice. So that's about that. Um, so if you can't understand me, my bad. Um, but things I did last week, I got a new game for the 360. I got FIFA 10, which is a sports game, and I'm unapologetic about it. Except for the fact that I'm now like completely in failure mode for geeky games that I should be playing right now. Because I definitely should have gotten Borderlands if I wanted to maintain my geek cred. Um, it's still on the docket. I still have to play it. You know, I'm going to do it, but uh, it's going to have to wait a little bit. Actually, um, that reminds me, Jay. We got, we got an email um, just this past week from the host of a podcast called uh, Greeked. And it's all about frat boys and the games they love. And they wanted to see if you would... Um, would you guest appear on their show? Are you serious? Absolutely not. Nobody likes you. <laughs> Thank God, because I have nothing in common with a single frat boy in the universe. They would punch me in the face, and then in the stomach, and then in the butt. Um, I, don't, I have a coworker that... I, I don't think boyfriend. that's how punching works. <laughs> I don't know. I don't her know. boyfriend is a major frat boy, and uh, he had her get him FIFA on release day and he's been playing it all week so there's that frat boys playing FIFA yeah dude that do is they the know that demographic it's for sports football, games not American football they, uh, <laughs> I think there's some confusion they, they practice <laughs> UFC in their garage <laughs> no I can't he no, works you are now associated with these car. people oh, please he oh, doesn't no. have a car oh, <laughs> he doesn't God. have a car <laughs> That's bad. Anyways. Jen, if you're listening to this, I love Grant, so. Yeah. Um, as a minor point about you said before about uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space, I have someone who I follow on Twitter uh, named Televixen. That's tele, like television, but Vixen, like a vixen. And she's great. Um, she's actually an actress, and she's in a play called Plans 1 through 8 from Outer Space. <laughs> <laughs> so um, she's awesome. really funny, and she does a lot of um, a lot of a lot of work doing plays and dresses up as all kinds of cool stuff. She's really cool to follow on Twitter. She's not an over tweeter, and she's always interesting. So you should follow her for sure. This is my little shout out, and um, uh, yeah, definitely cool. Definitely someone to follow. Other than that, I haven't done a lot that's geeky this week. I did play the new Dawn of War two um, combat mode. Rev, do you want to talk about that a bit? Oh yeah, uh, it's kind of like um, PvP for Dawn of War, an RTS. Like you level up, you get items. I mean, the only thing is you're you're fighting against waves of uh, uh, computer players, I guess. And so, I mean, it's just really interesting that. Dawn of War 2 is an RTS game, but essentially you're playing more of like a kind of a MMO PvP RPG kind of strategy game. 
it's just totally different. That's what's so fun about it. Yeah. But at the same time, I will say after leveling up to level 10 uh, or 11, there's 20 levels. I got to level 11, and then I went to go play World of Warcraft, and it felt very much the same, other than I'm doing a little bit different things. But just like the point of view and thinking about my my equipment and the talents that I have, it was like, wow, this is kind of the same thing. So, <laughs> it's really fun, though. And it's free, so can't complain. Yeah, I, I really liked it. I thought it was really fresh. I know that's kind of like a lame word to use, but uh, no, it felt that way a lot. It, it it was using the same mechanics that I really enjoyed from Dawn of War First Player, which I haven't really explored as much as I should, to be honest. But I never liked the Dawn of War multiplayer. I thought it felt lame uh, and completely disconnected from the actual first uh, single-player game, which was really cool. And so this kind of gives you the same feeling you had with Dawn of War to first player, um, but in a multiplayer sense. I, I like co-op in anything because I think it's a really good way of getting you engaged in the game is having you play through it with your friends. So this is a really good uh, chance for them to take this awesome single-player game to a new level. Yeah. I think my only complaint, though, is uh, sometimes you have more than three friends that want to play. You know? True. So True. That's totally wait, legit. Wait, 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 wait. But I understand like the you, logistics and whatnot. You have more than three friends? No, I don't. I don't. Because uh, I don't. <laughs> no, not at all. No. All right. Well, I mean, that sounds interesting. I could play it. You have it. I could play it. Well, you do have it, don't you? Well, I've played it. I just haven't played the new any of the new content that came out, what, two weeks I, ago? Last I just week? barely yeah. did it. You would have a lot of fun, I promise. Yeah, would I? Yeah, All right. yeah Maybe I really think you would. A shot, a shot ski. There is yeah. no no base building. Well, I good, because I'm bad at that. Love it. You That's what it. I'm bad at, actually. <laughs> That's why you don't like RTS is base building? Basically. Man, you should have been playing Company of Heroes and... Dudes. I know. Oh my god. Well, you know, Rev, this is what I recommend. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get him to play this, and then we'll get him to play Dawn of War single player, and then we'll get him to play Company You know, we could co-op the single player with him. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. That's how I finished it. Let's do that. My brother was like, dude, let's just finish this up, and we finished it in a few hours. Alright. I I think that's the plan. I'd give it a try. Alright. Up the Plansky. All right, well, let's move on. Uh, Rev, what were you up to this week? Well, uh, I had a birthday. So Happy birthday! Stuff. Do you want us to sing to you? Um, no. Are you sure? I'm positive. Okay, because, I mean, birthday. I'm an amazing singer, and I think Jay's voice is on point right now. So. I heard you guys singing together earlier. I know, because I have no voice, so that works. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's a little weird, but our pre-show warm-up includes uh, usually Jay or I singing, and uh, this week it included Wookiee Calls. Yeah. Should we do it? No, because I need to practice more. All right, later. All right, maybe next week. Maybe. 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 Anyway, Rev, you were born. Congratulations. And you're my same age. Yay, that is neat. (laughs) 26. Uh, Don't tell everyone. Now they know. Mm. Well, I'd rather them think that because apparently... Everyone thought we were older. Yeah, like, Zach was on, and he was like, I'm the youngest person that's ever been on this podcast. You guys are all old. You're going to die soon. Like, 35. Yeah. He said that? No offense if you're 35 or older. Well, I mean, 
Maybe you like should look the, into coffins. I hear they sell them at Costco, but yeah, bulk. You know, if they don't, they should. That's all I'm saying. No, 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 they do. I would love a Kirkland. Uh, Speaking co- of things they sell at Costco, <laughs> Kirkland, a Kirkland casket. <laughs> oh, I have a pair of Kirkland slacks I'm just in my saying. closet. Um, but I, I want to, I want to roll the tape back a little bit. One thing that I forgot to mention, and a lot of people on Twitter, um, from. Audrey to Megan to uh, just a lot of my followers have been talking a lot about Modern Family, and I've been watching it every week, and it gets it's funnier every funny. week. It is hilarious. It's the first show I've watched in a long time, and I, I didn't even catch the last episode yet, but I, I kind of overheard it because Sarah was watching it, but I will watch it. That's a really funny show. Yeah, so Modern Family is on ABC at 9 o'clock on Wednesdays, and everybody should watch it. And that that didn't just pop into my head, but there's part of that episode where they're in Costco, and uh, it's the two it's the two guys, and the, there's a gay couple on the show, and they're in Costco, and one of them like loves Costco, and <laughs> and the other one is like, Do you, have you seen this, Jay? Yeah, it's so damn funny. <laughs> the other one's like, I don't even, this place is horrible, let's get out of here. And then he starts like looking around and seeing stuff, and by the time they leave, they have like a flatbed and two carts, and he's like, this wow. place is amazing. It's it's really funny. Yeah, Actually, so. my only complaint about that show is that um, not the gay couple, not the Bundy couple, but the, the guy whose wife is the chick from... The, yeah. Yeah, all his dialogue is a direct ripoff of uh, uh, the Office guy. Like his entire character is Steve Carell. Ooh, that could be true. Next but time you watch as a, it, as a father instead yeah, of a, it's a hundred percent him. So that's the only that's my only qualm. Other than that, it's amazing. Yeah, but I just you know, and I'll I'll say this: I love the way he plays the character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though, even though it may be, you know, it may have a lot of elements or all of its elements that are borrowed from the office, but that may or may not be the case. But the way he plays it, he plays it so straight, and he just, oh man, he sells it. It's great. Um. Anyway, back to you, Rev. What were, you, what else were you have done? Well, uh, I know that Jay did this as well, but we finished a ten-month-long achievement in World of Warcraft, and. That isn't as terrible as it sounds. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Essentially, all of the holidays have kind of a little fun group of quests. And if you do those group of quests, each one gives you a cool little title. And if you've completed them throughout the year, from Christmas to Halloween, they give you... uh, uh, It's an achievement. Everything is achievements, like the Xbox achievements. And they give you uh, a "quote unquote" very fast mount, which is um, kind of a rare thing in the game. They don't really hand those out to everybody, so I don't know. It was fun. Um, I was certainly racking my brain for the last week trying to get the darn thing, but uh, so I don't know. I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, actually, at first I thought you were talking about Downing Yog, but. Yeah, oh no! Well, I wasn't there. Remember? Yeah, that's right. You bastard! You abandoned. I was in us. December. No, yeah, and and we talked about it too. It's like that's the only thing where we we would have been like, okay, legit reason for missing raid. <laughs> December is always. Yeah. But yeah, no. As a side point, we did down Yog Saron, who's the final boss of Olduar. So that was very badass. Yeah, and that was like a month after clearing the last boss in. 
Trial of the Crusader. Yeah. Which which is technically the the next tier of dungeon. Well, honestly, I think we still would have been able to clear Yogg in maybe another couple weeks after the time we stopped doing Olduar aggressively. But I think we felt the obligation to push the new content as a priority yeah. and then on our off nights push Olduar. So I, I don't think it's I don't think it's it was too less gear, it was more learning. You know, I think most yeah. skills took a few weeks to learn it. And this was our third time in there. Yeah. 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 We, Honestly our, our it was our first time pushing attempts at Yogg, our second time actually trying him. So I would say we had total somewhere in the neighborhood of thirty to thirty five attempts on Yogg before we downed him. And that's generous. Maybe we didn't even have that much, to be honest. Like, I would say way less than that for legitimate non-asshole wipe attempts. That sounds gross. I'm sorry. I mean, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, there are times when, I, did, I didn't even have anything to say to that. <laughs> that's when you wipe, and it's because, like, uh, whoops, I stepped in the fire, and oh. I was a healer, right? Which I've probably only done once, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, And there are times where it's like, we gave it all our effort and too much stuff happened wrong to actually clear it. I would say in terms of attempts where we tried our best and we had legitimate attempts on it and we were unable to clear it, maybe only a dozen. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's that's a good distinction to make. That's a really big credit to our Raiders. And for our Raiders who listen to this, I want to give a shout out to uh, Sarah Bui. He's been on the show before. That's um, Haprish. He really did a good job with pulling in um, a leadership role on the portal phase of that fight. Really good job. Major shout-out to that. Uh, another shout-out I want to give to Provect. He did a really good job calling out phases. He always does a good job calling out phases, so props to Provect on that. And uh, mad props to my co-healer, Frigg. He's always on the ball. That's all i got to say. And I, I just want to say mad props to me because I'm just amazing. You are a beast, but that goes without saying. Um, yeah, and we, you know, we learned, I think we learned a lot, and that's the thing that I really love about those new encounters is, like, when we got to Phase 3... And it felt like we were hitting a just complete brick wall, you know? We did those first two or three attempts on phase three. We were hitting a brick wall, and then we were like, okay, let's change it up. And we changed our strat up and just downed it completely the, the next attempt, so. Very cool. Um, I, I love the learns. I love the learnsing. Anyway, so you <laughs> finished your year-long achievement. You got a super fast mount, which is awesome, and uh, you did other stuff as well. Uh, yeah. the I got Brutal Legend, so I'll be... Updating you guys on that once I've given it a little bit more of a go. I've put a few hours into it, but I don't want to really give any opinions other than it's really fun. It's really, really fun. But I'll give a probably next week, maybe the week after, depending on how much time I have. I'll give a good lowdown on the game. Cool. Um, and then finally, like we mentioned, I saw Decemberist, and, and that isn't necessarily a geeky thing, but one of the things that they had it was the it was the last show in the US for this their this in interim or i don't know they're going to Europe basically and it wasn't actually a show part of their tour but it was the cap of their tour and they introduced a uh projection of four or five different artists they all made a a portion of the Hazards of Love album mm. in different mediums. So the first one was um, actually computer generated, and it was very uh, lots of nature stuff going on, and 
and then they had others that were uh like kind of crude um pen and uh almost paper craft and so it was it, it the hazards of love already is is kind of a, a mo- i would call it like a movie album like mm-hmm. it's one long song you know you have to listen to the whole thing to really enjoy it yeah and it's already kind of emotional but with the story being played out in a very artistic sometimes very vague uh way it like it was really really emotional uh to watch it and i i don't say that very often <laughs> um, that's awesome but it was super i totally geeked out on the decemberist being there with this other form of um media accompanying them and i mean you go to shows and they have big screens up and they have animations going on it but this was this was like 10 times that like we saw uh Ozzy Osbourne at the BlizzCon and Dave I'm sure you remember the animations that they had going behind were pretty good you know yeah th- those were th- they were awesome you know if you just looked at them like they were yeah. great they were really good um but they didn't really they weren't cohesive they didn't really tell a major story they were just fun and interesting and they fit each song but this was it would stand up as a DVD that you had to pay for. I, and I mm. would absolutely pay for it. Um, so I really geeked out on that. And it was in uh, the UCLA Royce Hall, which I've never been to, and it was really cool. And it, uh, as I was walking out, apparently Neil Gaiman, Gaiman however you want to say it, uh, is going to be speaking there February 4th. So I think Dave and I should go to that. Yeah, we are definitely... I don't know if you saw my tweet about yes, that. Yes, I did. In response to you saying that. But yeah, we, we need to go. I mean, I, uh, I'm i going to go no matter what, but I would love to have someone to go with. And yeah. uh, we, so It's like going to a movie alone. It's like yeah, kind of depressing. But way cooler than a movie, so I'm going to go no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, what else? You did another thing. Um, oh. Did you guys ever... Well, I know, Dave, you watched a lot of PBS as a kid. Jay, how much PBS did you watch as a kid? Like a uh, moderate to fair, I guess. Did you ever watch a show called The Storyteller by Jim Henson? It was kind of a mini-series. Uh, seems so familiar. Yeah, it sounds familiar, but I, I could be totally... Full of crap. What what is it entail? Uh, basically, it's John Hurt. I don't know if you know who John Hurt is. Sounds familiar. <laughs> is he related to William Hurt? <laughs> hold on, hold on. John. He's been in a lot of little stuff. Uh, he's the professor in Hellboy. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Professor Oxley in the New Indiana. Um, yeah. He plays a storyteller, and it's in it's f- uh, fantasy, kind of medieval settings and he just tells like crazy stories and the Henson crew um, animate and uh, puppet uh, everything and it's I would say I like it it's the same vein as the Purple Crystal but in my opinion it's crystal. ten times better you mean the Dark Crystal? Or the dark, sorry the Dark Crystal <laughs> the Purple Crystal? Is, well, that like a, is that like a lesbian <laughs> remake or what? <laughs> 
Yeah, well, that's perfect. the version that happens um, while they're at college. Okay. Oh. All right. So. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Anyways, that's on Netflix streaming. Uh, I suggest everyone check it out. Each episode's only like 25 minutes long. And there's only maybe, there's nine in the original, and then there's another four that I've never seen. So I'm, I'm excited to see that. But uh, the, stories, the stories are great. I mean, I go to IMDb, and not that IMDb is the best <laughs> website for this kind of stuff, but usually their user ratings are pretty low, and this has an 8.9 on it, which wow, um, I just looked now, and that's kind of amazing. That's pretty like impressive. For a, a show that was what? aired. I forgot, I, I totally forgot a geeky Wait, thing I'm... that I did this week, by the way. By the way, can I go back and have a do-over? Well, sure. we can finish me. We're, we're done with oh, me. So we'll finish you. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. Round back on you, I think. Okay, good. Well, I will finish it off then with this lovely um, thing that I forgot. I watched an amazing movie this week. I almost watched The Purple Crystal because... <laughs> um, Hot. I mean, I'm all about it. Um, but I, I didn't. And what I watched was on my Netflix uh, menu. It was right next to that, and it was Labyrinth. And (laughs) it is still amazing. And the ending when she's like, I I do need you. And they all appear and then they have a big party. Well, don't ruin it. I've never seen it. That doesn't ruin the actual. I've never seen it. You should. I know it's it's on Netflix instantly. I'll I'll watch this. Don't. There's a part. There's an aspect of this movie that you don't expect. And it's going to catch you off guard. And I don't want to tell you about it. But I'm going to tell Rev about it. Is it that it's Via. a child movie? Or? No, 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 no. It's something amazing. You're not going to expect it. When it starts to happen, you're going to be like, what? And then you're going to look <laughs> at Sarah, and you're going to say, this is what Dave told me about. And uh, Rev, I'm talking about Jump Magic Jump. Do you know what I'm saying? Maybe. <laughs> that means no. It's been a little bit too long. Oh, dude. I All always right. get that movie mixed up with Time Bandits, which both of you need to watch. Time you know. Bandits? Oh, I, believe me, it's I've John seen Time Cleese Bandits. John Cleese makes I have... a kids movie. I kid you. I don't know I don't know if you can fairly call Time Bandits a kids movie though. Uh, it's totally ugh. it's so dark. It's got Sean Connery in it. What does that have to do like with anything? October is a kids movie? He was in like Highlander? <laughs> yeah. James Bond? Moscow on the Hudson no, was this weird like movie he was in? The goodness. Wait, I gotta look this up. Sean that Connery, something about Williams. Moscow on the something that's Rob Williams, dude. All right. Well, so no I get Con- Time Bandits mixed up. Uh, <laughs> Robin Williams, Sean Connor, old white guys. All right. It's just, <laughs> they all look the same to me. What could I say? Oh, man. Anyway, so that's what we did <laughs> this week. <laughs> yeah. uh, by the way, guys, we we're recording a podcast right now, in case you didn't. Oh, man. So, moving on. Moving on down to the news, something interesting happened. Microsoft released a good operating system, and very much like the um, the Star Trek movies, they only do this once every other version. Mm. So we've been hit with Windows 7, and I've actually been using the release candidate for several months now, so I can comfortably say that it is uh, very fast, very yep. stable, and just, just a pleasure to use. Um, Rev, have you, you've been using it as well, haven't you, the RC? Yeah. Uh, I've been using it, I think, for just about as long as you have. Yep. And Me too. I think we're all early adopters in oh, yeah. this Let's shindig. 
That's actually how we roll. That's how we roll. <laughs> uh, I and then recently, uh, via the amazing Windows Seven House Party, <laughs> I received oh, my. Oh, you got an ultimate edition, didn't free you? Free ultimate signature edition. Man. Oh, you bastard! Yeah, and so I I uh, I was able to upgrade that. So I'm running uh, the final, which it doesn't really feel much different. Um, other than it doesn't have the little trial version thing in the bottom right, but mm. I love—I honestly, I love it, and it it removes any kind of thought in my mind, way in the back of my mind, thinking, "Hey, maybe one day I would switch to Linux or OS X or right. Mac yeah, OS." I, I completely agree with with that sentiment. I mean, yep. I think this is exactly what they needed to release at this point in history in order to continue being credible as an operating system company Absolutely. in anything other than a strictly business environment. Yep. That, no, that's honestly 100% how I feel because I was at the point where I was about to say, you know what, F it, I'm just going to go with Mac. I'm done with this nonsense because my thing is I've owned so many copies of XP and none of my computers in the past year and a half have had a legit copy. I've had them, you know, they're bogus copies that I've stolen or whatever. But I, I've owned at least three computers with legit versions of XP, and now my current one didn't, and I was doing the genuine Windows thing, and I was just tired of it. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to forget it. I'm going to be done with PC. I'm just going to get a Mac. I'll boot camp it if I need to. I don't know if I'll need to. And, um, and then the Windows release candidate came out, and I'm like, well, I'll just give this a shot. And I've been so happy with it that the entire option of switching to Mac or switching to Linux, it's not even on the table for me anymore. Not even a little bit. And I, will... I, I think you guys will agree with this, but I can say for myself that I am a huge fan of Mac. I want a Mac. You know, if, if I had a reason to talk myself into getting a Mac, I would do it. But Microsoft has kind of removed that from me at this point, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, if you are in the market for a computer, um, and you've been sort of swinging back and forth. Obviously, the, the number one thing for any user buying a new system is you really need to evaluate your your needs and your level of expertise. And if you're going to be more comfortable with a Mac, um, you, you should hit that up. Mm -hmm. But if, if you have been hesitant about buying Windows, but you'd prefer a Windows machine, uh, this is the time. Like, this is the season to, to really get in. And you're going to love Windows 7. It's fantastic. So, um, uh, Rev, go ahead. Uh, I'm curious to know, if, if any, is there any feature that you guys either just love or comes to mind that is just really cool in Windows 7? Sure. Uh, should I go first? Yeah, go yeah, ahead. absolutely, because I'm going to have to look at Windows 7. One of my favorite things, and if some of these are overlapped from Vista, that's fine, because um, I didn't want to deal with the bullshit of Vista, so I didn't. But there are things that are in Windows 7 that may be carryovers that I love. Uh, one of them is that if I Alt-Tab and I hover over one of the windows in my tray, it's going to show, it, it'll, it'll minimize or blank out all the windows that I'm not hovering over. So I can easily switch between my different applications that I've opened. So that's one small factor um, of the overall experience. That is the, kind of the larger thing that I like is Windows 7 makes me comfortable having 12 applications open on my computer at a time, which is something I haven't felt like I've had the capability with XP at all. 
I'm so, nodding yeah. my head. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I can feel you nodding your head. It's, it's, I feel like I can have a ton of apps open. It's not making me slower. It's not making my workspace cluttered. It feels like I can run all that crap at the same time. So that's my number one thing off the bat. Dave, you got one or you want me to throw Um, You know, the, the, the UI improvements across the board are relatively minor. You know, any, any single UI improvement that I could pick out is a minor thing. Like the alt tab functionality is a minor change. The mouse over window pop-up functionality is a minor change. But what really gets me is, you know, you combine all of those UI improvements and, and you get something really fantastic. And then you have to realize that in addition to a significantly better UI, the the processor, the kind of system overhead is, I think, lower than Vista with, with a worse UI. So what I'm seeing is it's much more usable and with the increased usability that comes from sort of some fancy looking shenanigans and tricks that they pulled, it also runs faster. And that's just, <laughs> how do you get that? Like, if that's yeah. possible, how do you release Vista? That's, I guess, the bigger, <laughs> that's the underlying question. And it's better? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so there's that. And just, you know, a lot of the functionality there is great um, in, in the UI and how you operate, how you get around things. It is so clean and pretty, and it boots up still. I've been using it for several months. And, you know, when you do the first install, it boots up really fast. I've been using it for several months, and it still boots up yeah. just really quickly. Yeah, um, so I maybe a little slower, but not bad, like XP. Yeah, yeah. so so I'm, I'm super impressed, but I don't know. What about you, Rev? My, You guys kind of hit some of my major points, and that being just, I call it the bottom bar, just everything about it. Um, that's really cool, so I'm glad you guys hit that, but I guess other than that, my favorite thing is they really, really, really improved the search programs and files, so if I just, now when I want to run something, unless it's one of the like five things that I keep on my bottom bar, I just click my Windows key and then I type mm -hmm. in like Skype, and it's so it's so fast. It's as fast as the Mac Spotlight. Spotlight, yep. yeah. And totally that being agree. usable uh, makes it a joy. You know, like, and that's all. That's everything that we've said. It's just Microsoft finally was like, okay, okay, okay. So <laughs> we really don't need to just make an operating system that runs your programs. We have to make it, like, easy to use and, like, a joy to use. Okay. I guess we can do that. Yeah, that's yeah. What <laughs> but, but that's you. You bring up a good underlying point, which is that the operating system, the way that it works on a very fundamental level, is fine. We don't need sweeping changes. Windows doesn't need to. If you're going to keep doing that, mute your mic. <laughs> Thank you. Windows doesn't need to undergo. Uh, these big fundamental changes to the way that it works. It, it works very well, and, and we don't need to see a shift towards the Mac layout or anything like that, but there was a tremendous amount of work that they could do to just improve usability within the same set of, I don't know, fundamental uh, usage parameters, I guess I, yeah. I would say. Well, like, like take, take, for example, you take a window. So I have my Firefox window, and it's maybe 30% my screen, because that's just how I view it, not not full screen, so 30% my screen. If you take that and you drag it to the right or the left-hand side, then it 
it does this little animation, and it basically tells you, hey, if you let go when you're dragged to the left or right-hand side, we'll actually make that uh, be 50% of your screen. You know, just little things like that uh, really make me happy. Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff like that that I think a lot of users just wouldn't even uh, wouldn't even know about. It's kind of it's kind of the direction that Apple took. Unless you're going to sit down and read the manual, you're not going to know all these features until you stumble across them, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I'm okay um, with that. So, yeah, I'm okay with it too. So I want to reverse your question, but first I want to find out, uh, Jay, are you okay? Me, I'm great. Why? Just checking. It sounded like you were either like de-shelling a bunch of peanuts or fighting ninjas. Fighting ninjas. what? <laughs> fictional. All that fictional. I'm great. All right. Well, I'm glad you're all right. So <laughs> yep. I want to reverse the question. Is there anything about Windows 7 that you guys hate? And for me, the answer is no. There's really not. Um, they've taken all the best of uh, the previous iterations of their operating systems and then improved on those um, key elements. I haven't run into anything that I really dislike. But what about? Oh, that's wrong. There is something that I hate but it, maybe it's not Windows 7's fault. Okay, you guys will be able to relate to this. I want the control panel from Windows Ugh. 2000. Why does the control panel need to change? That's just us, though. I mean, I don't even think Jay would care. Um, Jay, do you care? Uh, <laughs> do you know what we're talking about? Yeah, you absolutely, know I know. It's different. Control Have you been yeah, into... Yeah, And Vista was different, too. You can and... get it back, though. You just... Click category, but it's still not buy, the same. And then, like, it's not the same. They changed but, names of I stuff. I mean, that's I would true. care if I had to deal with it, but that's one of the other upsides of, of uh, I don't know. I, to me, when I've had to add new devices, I haven't had to go to control panel. It's all been very much done for me. Like, I plug something in, it picks it up, I'm set. I don't really have to go there to manage my devices anymore, which is the only reason I ever went to control panel to begin with. So the fact that it, the fact that it's different, hasn't affected me yet. Gotcha. I have a counterpoint for your hate. Ooh. <laughs> okay, hit me. Um, I don't know if the, you noticed. The contrapasso. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but just about every window that you open up now, uh, that it's an Explorer window that which includes the Control Panel window. In the top right, it has Search, and then whatever you're in. So if I'm in my C drive, it says Search window. It's Search C drive. So right. in the control panel, it's just like the Mac where, or Mac OS, where if you type in what you want to do, so like if I want to uninstall, then I see only the things that relate to uninstalling. And that's, I've gotten so used to in the Mac OS, always typing contextually what I want to do because of Spotlight. Spotlight has kind of trained me that way. Having that search there mm. um, removes any... Uh, hate that I have for the new layout because So you're saying there is no hate in your heart? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> what one of the kind of it's similar to that, but it's a little bit different too, is um when I download documents, uh one of the things they've added, it might have been in Vista 2, I don't know, is the recent places category. So I mean if I don't want to use their spotlight feature, quote unquote spotlight feature, um then if I go to recent places, odds are the file I was dealing with is in there anyways. So it's completely mm. bonus. So uh, that's kind of the overarching thing. They've made it easier to find what I want to find without having to think of a standard like tree-based Windows layout. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Um, one of the things that I hate is uh, occasionally when I shut down the computer, it does this thing that says, oh, we have like all these things open. Do you just want to close them? And it's supposed to, if I just leave it sitting there, I believe it's supposed to just close. Oh, no. It brings up the list of all the things. It's like, oh, you have Firefox running. You have Steam running. You have Google Talk running. And then I click just force shutdown. I don't care about those things like actually closing. Well, on occasion it doesn't, and it'll just sit there. So I'll shut it down when I leave for work, and I'll come home after clicking for a shutdown, and everything will still be there, which, I mean, it's just a bug, and it's not that big of a deal, but I still hate it. What's funny, that, <laughs> that has never happened to me. What happens to me is when I tell the shutdown program's open, I see that window for a fraction of a second, and it shuts down anyway. <laughs> so like, it's never been a problem where I'd be like, oh, I didn't mean to shut down. But yeah. what I have to be doing now is their, their power management rule set in uh, 7 is really good. So if I just leave my computer, uh, it'll go into Hibernate automatically. So mm. a lot of times I'll, I'll just walk back into my office, open the door, and click my mouse button, and it goes, woo, and just fires itself back up, and it's ready to go. So I, I've almost got to the point where I don't even shut my computer down anymore. Mm. So maybe I never shut your computer happiness. down. I, I know you don't. That's because you're not in my house. <laughs> right. How do you well, know? That you know of. Well, <laughs> scary. That's what I'm saying. Uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so overall, very positive feelings towards Windows Seven. Very. I may need to change my habits and take advantage of the search functionality, and yep. I will try to do that. Um, obviously, I don't like to change, and I've gotten so used to what I do. You know, and when you work, when you work with computers, I think it's very different than. Uh, the, the experience for the average user because when I need to do something you know I do it as my job so the computer uh, it's something that I operate directly on I think I think of it this way it's the difference between someone who drives a car and a mechanic yeah a mechanic is going to notice a lot more about the changes in model years to to a certain vehicle than uh, the driver of that vehicle might notice um, so let's move along uh, this, this kind of ties in, this next news item kind of ties into something we're going to talk about a little bit later. Um, some of you may have heard of the Microsoft, uh, what's it called? Is it the Microsoft Surface? Is that what yeah. it's called? The Microsoft Cir Cir Circus. Hello. Circus. <laughs> there <laughs> is... Clowns, lions, lion tamers, tightrope walkers. Clown tamers. Clown walkers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the Microsoft Surface is a device that works very much like your iPhone does and it's what we call a multi-touch device and what, what that really comes boils down to is it is a device that will allow you to to put your hands or to put whatever on it in multiple places and then perform gestures or do movements and it'll follow those and interpret them into some sort of command and the way that it is used varies a lot the first proof of concept that we ever saw for the multi-touch device involved um, operating with a map and it was really cool so the Microsoft Surface, we got a lot to go through here, buddy, so let's try to jam. The Microsoft Surface is a device, and it's a cool device. It's pretty big. It's actually very sizable. It's like I believe it's like 24 inches, and it's wide. Um, and, of course, us being geeks uh, did something amazing. Kotaku ran an article about the Microsoft Surface being used as a Dungeons & Dragons mat. Oh, God, that's hot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
So <laughs> there's a video up. We'll throw it in the show notes. It's absolutely tremendous. It does all of your actions. It does spell animations for the spells and attacks that you do. Nobody knows what I'm talking about except for you D&D players who know exactly what I'm talking about. So imagine that all of your dreams have come true. And th- that's essentially this. Um, really cool, and we're really excited about it. We're never going to be able to touch it or play with it. No, oh, but, although it's always going to be you, like five thousand dollars. Well, yeah, you yeah. did have an interesting you did have an interesting point, Rev, and that was that this is you you said that this is the future, and I know what you mean it, it, when you say that because I know you pretty well. Is that uh, we're going to see wide adoption of this kind of device? So, what kind of timeline do you think uh, we might have for that? Well, as long as the world doesn't end in twenty twelve. Oh, Mayans! Oh shit. <laughs> Um, gosh, I would hope, this is one of those hope things, you know, that we hope for, 2020, 2020, what is that, like, 2020, and they'll be, 11 years away, they'll be a thousand dollars each, or five hundred dollars each, yeah, and the way I would see it is, it takes the place, or is inserted into your coffee table, and it provides uh, cross communica- communication, so internet. So, like, I could be sitting there, and um, we could be playing D and D via all of our own living rooms. You know, no pieces required. You know, so uh, that's one application. Or right. someone could be checking Facebook on it, sitting there at the uh, coffee table. So uh, it's, the purpose is to eliminate iPhones. Or just eliminate the desk computer, I think. Because okay. iPhones, iPhones certainly have their place, but I don't want to say that iPhones are the de facto solution to all of the solutions that we're using for it now. Mm, you know what I mean? Why not? There, you, so you're, you're saying that there's a lot that we do with the iPhone, not because it's the best way to do it, but because we have the iPhone with us? Well, it's the best way to do it. With our At current tools, gotcha. Okay. Like, given something else that's affordable, like the Surface, I could see us uh, using it for some of those things. It's just a thought. Well, to some extent, but like, like you said, like for checking your Facebook or your Twitter, like, would you want to do that on a Surface while other people are around necessarily? Like, if or, I did it, it, it pretend yeah. I had a surface in my living room. <laughs> Wait, what happens on your Facebook, Jay? Hold, hold on, Red. Uh, <laughs> if I had a surface in my living room, yeah. like, let me, let me just check my, uh, my Twitter <laughs> really quick. You'd be like, oh, more soccer crap. Oh, I don't want to look at your surface right now. Is that what you would do? Well, uh-huh. it's not like I'm in your living room very often. Well, that's beside the point. You already complained about my Twitter as it is. The, the, yeah, the concept of seeing it on my coffee table, that doesn't cause you fear. All, all I'm saying is that I think that that's just, that's just an example. I think that given a good period of time, smart people could figure out better ways to do it on the surface, whether it's internet browsing to just just data. Like, we have all this data from cooking to celebrities to movies to games to anything, you know. And that that information is fed to us via, right now, computer, desktop computers, laptop computers, iPhones, um, or smartphones. Come on, iPhones. 
There's not really any smartphones, please. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying that I think that the Surface could take some of that, um, whether or not it takes it in a way because I don't see people having three devices really. I mean, right now people have their computer, whether it's laptop or desktop, and they have their phone. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? Yeah. So would adding a third item that, like, right now game consoles are trying to take some of that, would adding a a third item that there already is uh, competition for be viable? I say no unless it is able to completely replace it for a certain market. Like, would your parents no longer need a desktop computer if they had something like the Surface that did everything for them, you know? Absolutely. And more, you know? No, you're right. If if my parents right now, if it was in the same price range as a computer, would swap their desktop and their laptop for a Surface, without a doubt. Yeah, as if long they as they, they had the Surface, yeah. like, like, wherever they could go. There's so many different things, like, to talk about, about it, but really I just think it comes down to is there a better way to do things with a device like a multi-touch widescreen monitor that faces upwards. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously there is, and I think there are other options for that too. We, we haven't even talked about future, future enhancements like uh, the ability to pull that surface out of your coffee table and have it on a, you know, on a retractable arm, that kind of thing. So clearly there's a lot just from a mechanical standpoint that could go into that. And then, you know, virtualized keyboards, it gives you all kinds of options for having everything that you want to do at your fingertips, as long as you're in your living room. And or in a restaurant. I don't know. That was the other thing in their demo. Yeah. That's a good point. Which looked really cool. I have to say, like, I, I hate all the crap where they're trying to replace human beings in service industries. Well, I don't hate it. I just think it's kind of dumb. Like, w- one of the things in this genre is the Starbucks iPhone app, where they're... they're have you guys heard of this? Have you guys heard of this? I've, I have it on my phone. I, I haven't been able to use it. No, I haven't been able to either, and I live in Washington. Like, if anyone should be able to use it, it's me, right? But if you guys haven't heard of this, it's an iPhone app where you can enter your drinks that you want in your iPhone... And then if you're in a drive-thru that has this capability uh, up and running, you can hit transmit, and it'll make your order for you so you don't have to talk to a barista. Yeah. And to me, I mean, if you're one of those people who has the drink with a million options and you want to reduce that to a mathematical equation so that the baristas can't ruin it, sure. But when all you want is an ad shot and a standard drink, this just seems like a ridiculous removal of a human being to me. Like, I can talk to the lady at the drive-thru. You know, I thought about that. It's not that, a big deal. <laughs> I, I, thought, I was actually talking to uh, one of my baristas about that the other day, and I said it was kind of stupid. And then, you know, what I thought was, maybe it is stupid, or maybe it frees you up to talk about other stuff. I guess it's up to you, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm still going to interact with the person on the other side of the counter, even if it's just to joke about how stupid this new iPhone app is and how much I hate it. Yeah, but is it? Well, I don't know. Is Starbucks still going to if if that takes off for some reason, which I don't see it taking off? But say it takes yeah. off, or say they use that, then they'll just stop hiring people to stand there and talk to you. They'll just have that one person, that one making your drink. I don't and know. They'll be like, too busy to talk to you. You know. 
to me the uh the the surface and the iphone app feel like kind of the same thing where if some third party uh, i don't know like if oh my god if arby's invents this app and then like they have it at the drive through like window where you can like do it right there before you go to the window so you have to talk to them and they implement it it'll be so cheesy that it'll be outdated in three months and no one will do it or if the surface if they implement it in all of x restaurants it'll be so cheesy that'll be outdated and no one will do it in three months but if we just wait a while to introduce this technology to the marketplace it might actually catch on you guys know what i'm talking about yeah where it feels I like just, it could be bogus cheesy if they try and push it too early. I, I keep thinking back to, I, I want to say it's Snow Crash. I'm not sure if it's Snow Crash or the other book that is similar. Either way, they have the service industry where the, the only people that actually work are making the food. And no one really ever talks to them because everything is digital. And the food is just like passed out through... That- an, an open slot. That open sounds range. like Snow Crash. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, is that the future and is that the future that I want? You know, to be completely cut off from uh, human interaction, yes. you know? <laughs> but really, hey, though, like... Let's, let's just be honest. As members of the information work, work world that you guys are, like the IT workforce, you already are, right? You guys don't talk to your customers. Yeah. We talk no. to your customers, but our customers, yeah. you have to just shift your viewpoint of who your customer is. Yeah. Well, the difference is if in that society, I'm able to say, okay, these are the five to 50 people that I'm going to talk to, and I have the complete ability to only talk to those five to 50 people, and it removes any kind of random interactions with other human beings. Mm-hmm. And is that, is that good for society or is it bad, you know? I love how this came from the Microsoft Surface. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, I. It is an interesting question. I don't, you know, I don't think we're going to run into that situation. Obviously, Stevenson is a great novelist because he he can create situations that are so unbelievable. Robert Louis Stevenson, like and sell them, uh, yeah, him too, and sell them. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I don't really see it going that way. First of all. I don't think we're ever going to reach 100% adoption, which is sort of required, you know. Mm. I just don't think that's possible. Um, so there's always going to be Grandpa Joe Smith, Wiley, McRoberts, who <laughs> uh, needs a barista to get him his latte. And when you need a barista to get you your latte and your grandson tells you that you need a, a $200 phone, your reaction is going to be, you know, assuming you're part of the greatest generation. Um, to give him <laughs> the finger and then possibly punch him in the face. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I mean, it, it's not it's not realistic to think that's going to happen, but it's definitely very interesting to think about how that could go. Oh, the greatest generation. <laughs> so, let's see. What Do we want to move on or do we want to keep waxing... Uh... I need to move on. I need to be at home. Oh, yeah, because you're dying. That too, and you can barely understand me, so what's the point? We're barely going to touch on this, but (laughs) some of you may or may not be familiar with a writer by the name of George R.R. Martin who wrote a series called The Game of Thrones. He's actually still in the process of writing it. It is high fiction after, or high fantasy after Tolkien, and I'm talking a lot of political intrigue. If you're looking for sappy romance or action, this is not the kind of thing you're looking for. Um, Well, maybe. If you're looking for, 
Maybe. But if you're looking for a literary approach to fantasy that uh, includes a lot of intrigue and a lot of political uh, maneuvering, this would be right up your alley. So if you are, check out that set of books by George R.R. R. Martin. And then if you are familiar with them, then you probably know what I'm going to talk about, which is the HBO special by... by um, HBO. I don't know why I said the word buy right there. But <laughs> HBO is creating a, a mini series based on uh, George R. R. Martin's classic Wait, series hold of books. On. Hold on. So well, he's really the, the, George R. R. It's amazing. Like J. R. R. You're not allowed to talk. You know what? Maybe you should just go. Back. I never realized that. That's funny. I didn't think about that either. J. R. R. Tolkien. All right. Enough you. That's so they are good books. I'm just throwing that out there. I know. I think I'm the only one on the podcast who's actually read any of them, right? True, but like I know what you're saying in terms of it being about more about the intrigue. Like to me, that's a million times more interesting than the action. So yeah, they're certain. They're certainly uh, very in depth and very interesting books. So, um, but the the news item we've known for a while about this HBO miniseries. The news item is that the. Uh, the cast is all set, and they just released this this um, or somebody created this uh, website and the, this image, and it has all of the all of the cast members, pictures of all the cast members, and it has the name of their characters. So you can see if you've read the book, and and you can see um, you know where where the similarities are coming out and where their casting is, and and so it's it's pretty awesome to uh, to see the the faces with the names and I think they did a fantastic job casting and that's it so we'll have that in the show notes and then the last thing uh, you guys have disappointed me I'm ashamed of each and every one of you there's a great game called World of Goo and for its birthday it went on sale and geeks were allowed to pay any price they wanted to buy this game and the game is normally priced at $19.99 and you guys you you listeners of this podcast who are geeks and supposedly support the movement and are fans of uh, the subculture and want to be good to the people who make us, uh, you know, what we are, who have given us the games that we grew up on and, and are still making awesome games, decided that the majority of you, and by the majority I mean well over 75%, were going to pay between one cent and two dollars for a game that's normally priced at $19.99. So congratulations. When given free will, you've proven the MPAA and the RIAA. Absolutely right. <laughs> it's funny. Nothing else really to talk about there. I'm just extremely disappointing. Uh, disappointed. I'm also extremely disappointing, or at least... True, too. It's me. very true. Very so, true. So, she's Jewish. What are you, you going to do? Oi. Oi. All right. Moving on to the last and most glorious section of the podcast. Uh, I'm not going to talk about those videos because they're lame. Um, no, well, there's a drunk guy. Have you heard about this? He got really drunk, Me and too. it's funny. No. Oh, video know. camera. It's, it's, He's trying it's to buy beer. <laughs> what? Yeah. Should I watch this real quick? It's pretty long. Maybe you should watch it later. It may cause you to laugh a lot. Uh, and since you your mic can't be muted, that's probably watch. a bad... Bad news. Well, what are we going to do while he, while he watches it? We're going to talk about stuff that he doesn't know about. It's 11 minutes long. <laughs> Just watch the first two minutes, the last two minutes. The middle is... The middle Whoa. is slow. We are going to play a song. <laughs> this is a tune called... Are we just gonna listen? Let's just listen to it. Okay, guys, for the next two minutes, this if you want to forward past the next, fast forward past the next two minutes, 
we are going to be doing an experiment. It's called Jay Watches a Drunk Guy. <laughs> so, Jay, take it away. Watch a drunk guy. <laughs> Sorry. I won't be able to hold myself back. This is great. <laughs> Wait, Everyone is he holding still or is it lagged? Uh, the camera kind of... It's it's a... Oh, my a, God. Yeah. No way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand how you could possibly get that drunk. <laughs> like the mechanics of it? Like from a biochemical. Drinks, I'm like, I could use some water really bad. <laughs> and this guy says, I could use a bottle of vodka, apparently. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, people. Gentlemen. <laughs> we should have had you narrate the whole thing. Oh, disappointing. <laughs> it just gets better. <laughs> this isn't real, guys, by the way. It's Photoshop. <laughs> no. <laughs> Nobody's acting. This is obviously acting. Oh, don't ruin my world. All right. I'm sorry. Yeah, you are a ruiner, Jay. This is photoshopped. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry. All right. Uh, so back to the podcast. We are, we are, in fact, recording a podcast. <laughs> sorry. Uh, but that's not real. Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> 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 All right. All anyone needs to do is watch it from a minute 45 to two minutes and 15 seconds, and you'll be like, this is not real. <laughs> Sorry, that's it. Go ahead. <laughs> <sighs> wow. Okay, let's let's uh, let's jump in with. Uh, the... <laughs> we don't even we don't even need this, but what the heck? Let's do it. Technology that people use every day and don't appreciate. <laughs> um, this this was actually prompted by um, by my wife. Yes, who is currently sitting next to me eating a pint of ice cream. I'm not gonna eat a whole pint. Allegedly. Whoa. So anyway, say, sir. the baby's eating a bite. <laughs> the baby's pint. eating yeah. a bite. Oh, okay. Half of the baby, half of her. Hmm. Two-thirds of the baby, one-third for you. Yeah, it, it, she's only Kim. eating a third of a pint. The baby ate the other two-thirds. Duh. Hello. I told her she's only allowed grow. to gain 10 pounds this pregnancy, so. <laughs> Eat. All right, let's let can we go back to what we were talking about? Let's make a podcast. Technology that people. What do you guys say? We make a podcast. Technology that people use every day and don't appreciate. And this was prompted by her, and she was sitting next to me, and she asked me what a multi-touch interface was. Mm. And Fair I enough. said, "Your iPhone is a multi-touch interface." And then I realized that nobody really thinks about that. But the first time we saw that multi-touch interface proof of concept from what was it from? Was it from Ted? I don't know. I don't know, it was from something, but we all saw the video. The first time we saw that, it was amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember hearing that the next iPod was going to be, like, you weren't going to have, it. you know, you're holding it, and it's all white except for the screen, that it was going to be the whole length of it, and that wasn't just it. That was shocking enough. They could have held off another generation there. But that whole screen 
was going to be touchable. At that point, I think I pooped my pants and ran out of the library. <laughs> it was that impressive. It's um, not, and it's not just that the whole screen is touchable, although the way that they grab the information, because if you remember the old classic touch screens were based on pressure. Mm-hmm. The original touch screens, all based on pressure. But the way that it works, and the multi-touch, the way that it responds to gestures, the way that it handles all that information coming in, so impressive. So, so, so impressive. So um, that, that for me, I had a, this moment where I realized, you know, what's the, what's the proliferation of the iPhone? I, I guess I could have looked this up before the show, but it's pretty widespread. I don't go a day without seeing at least one person other than myself using an iPhone, and it's usually about 10 people. Yeah. And I don't leave my house, so I mean that's saying something. So those nine other people in your home who sneak in or <laughs> right to use my wireless and yeah. use their iPhones. Yeah, fair um, So wide proliferation, and it's just it's a technology that nobody really appreciates. So I thought, you know, there's probably a lot of other technology that people have died to develop. Like literally, I'm sure there was someone who was working on. Uh, on the multi-touch interface screen and died before it was finished. Sure. Okay, maybe not, but who knows. Why not? No, I'm going to go with you. Just go ahead. All right, cool. So so I, I started to wonder what other technology exists that people use every single day and they, they just really don't appreciate what an impact that technology has on their life. And the iPhone, the multi-touch interface on the iPhone, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit, relatively small impact on most people's lives, probably. Huge impact on my life personally, but that's because I'm a geek. A relatively small impact on most people's lives. So, but let's let's go with that. And you guys have been kind enough uh, to add your own little spins on these things. Um, I think Jay, you added two of these, and then uh, Rev, you added the last one. Do you need me to answer that? I don't. Is that true or not? I guess I do because I, I need to know. Cause I'm I said OCD. it. Someone else wrote it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. So thanks for blaming it on me. Jeez. Uh, right. So, Jay, why don't you list off your two and tell us what they are. And uh, They were partially joking because I'm a jerk, but... Um, useless. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, if we're going to say technology that people no, use every day, one of them would be the internal combustion engine. Because no one ever says, oh my god, it's a miracle that every time I drive my car, there are a billion explosions happening three feet from my butt. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, if you want to think about it this way... There are a billion explosions happening so close to you that they could kill you every time you drove, even a little bit. But uh, because of the power <laughs> of the internal combustion engine, you're safe. Those explosions are not just held in check. They're actually harnessed. Harnessed to move you. Well, you know what's funny? I actually, you talk about, this is extremely ironic, actually. Mm. You just said that you don't think people really think about that. And I thought about that today. Oh, really? walk. Yeah. I was walking and I saw a motorcycle and it had two exhaust pipes and I thought, it's amazing how hot an exhaust pipe is. Oh, yeah. And then I thought, the exhaust pipe is that hot because of what's going on in the engine. Like, this is an intense reaction happening in the engine. These explosions are huge. And then I thought about how um, uh, cylinders work and how the drive shaft works and all that stuff. And then I thought cars are actually extremely dangerous. <laughs> yeah, really. It's, it's amazing we don't blow ourselves up every time. Yeah, so in general, <laughs> I would agree that people probably don't think about that, and I think it's weird, because I don't think I've ever followed that specific li- line of uh, reasoning, but today, of all days, on my walk with Abby earlier, I, I did. So, that is neat. 
at Disney. Yeah, true story. And also, our economy um, is based on it. Right. Yeah. Unless you're a hippie, and then you say that our economy is based on murder and blood for oil. Um, and Yay. Then, <laughs> wow. Yay. There goes a listener. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Whoever that was, I don't care. Um, right. <laughs> number three, because well, you're dumb if you say that. So um, I don't care. Whoever you are, you're dumb. And we'll talk later. Call me. <laughs> Number three is uh, ACDC Power. And I'm not talking about the awesome rock band. Um, you know, fronted by the guitarist, who is the prancing devil, uh, the little schoolboy, you know, in the uh, schoolboy outfit and a full-grown man, which is kind of scary. You uh, could have Googled this before we started the podcast. Yeah. You were going to talk about him. That's no, all AC- ACDC Power. Yeah, I forget his name right now. It's uh, Angus Young. There you are. Angus, Angus Young. Young, thank you. It took me three seconds. <laughs> um, during which my voice sounds horrible. So, there you go. Yay. Um, ACDC Power. Uh, because of that, there are not 150 million lines of wire between every telephone post. So, if you want to... There are some really cool pictures of New York before ACDC Power was the the um, the predominant method of transmitting electricity. Um, if you want to look at a picture of what it would have looked like if Edison's... Uh, means of transferring power were in play today. It's really ridiculous. There were uh, electric posts with 15 wires going like crazy, like spider webs across them. And because uh, Tesla was a genius and came up with ACDC power, uh, we are free to have our inventions that we have today. Uh, by the way, right now on my TV, I'm looking at a newscast coverage of the Steampunk Con, which is pretty amazing. So. Maybe yeah, we should talk the, about that later. The, well, the, <laughs> the reason that you, you're looking at that is because uh, you, you told me, you challenged me earlier. I, I kind of teased you a little bit about the <laughs> internal combustion engine as technology that people o- overlook or don't appreciate. And you were like, imagine a world without, you said something like, you can't even imagine a world without the internal combustion engine. And I said, yes, I can, because I have seen steampunk movies. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so, yeah, ACDC power. uh very cool. And Rev, finally yours, which is probably my favorite one on this list because I know a tremendous amount about it. Go ahead. Uh, Uber Uber Geeky, I guess, for internet buffs. But TCP IP, which is the underlying uh, protocol for your computer to talk to other computers on the internet. And it could have been called anything. But it was um, called some random letters, <laughs> uh, essentially. But so you can boil that down to the protocols that make it so layers upon layers upon layers upon layers of ones and zeros can transmit and be interpreted to sound, which is what we're using right now to record, and video, which is what we're using to see the renderings of our web pages um, all of it is at one point handled by a uh, internet protocol one of the biggest being TCP IP mm-hmm. and that is amazing I mean yeah when you take it down to that level to the and it's really basic too like if you if you read so the docs, simple yeah when you boil it down to the fundamental levels um, well, first, I guess you have to be able to understand the fundamental levels, and that takes a tremendous amount of background. But once you can do that, uh, the Internet is really straightforward. But, yeah. But uh, the way it all works, the way it all comes together, I guess, is extremely complicated and really impressive. So 
enjoy that internet. When you send a tweet, you have no idea what's going on, but there's a lot. And if you send that tweet from your cell phone... Times two. Wow. You're talking satellites. You're talking craziness. Yep. Um, so your, your tweet may go into space at some point. Just throwing that out there. Possible. All right. Finally, you guys wanted to talk about something that I... Uh, have you played this? Is this, out, this isn't out, right? It's not out yet. So, Call of Duty uh, Modern Warfare 2. How was Modern Warfare? Excellent. Okay. Very oh. good. Yeah. Was it as good as our very first, like, Call of Duty experience? It was I don't so think difference. It's just way different. Call of Duty 1 and 2 are PC only, and they were just so solid. It's, it's a much different type of gameplay, because in Call of Duty 1 and 2, they were what I would call slow shooters. I mean... You guys, you you would run around. You wouldn't run around as fast as in modern warfare. Um, and then your guns are like bolt action, which uh, I like about ten times as much. To be honest, yeah, I would agree. That's why World War II games are so popular. I think just because people gravitate towards that. But mm. that said, um, modern warfare certainly brings something different to the table, which is good. I mean, you can't have all World War II. Anyways, well, um, you can but. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but then you might get sick of it, and you all know what happens when you get sick of it. You what, stop falling into yes. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so Modern Warfare 2 is coming out in a few weeks, and I'm sure millions of people will enjoy it. Um, the, some of those being PlayStation 3 owners, <laughs> <laughs> Xbox owners. Yeah, more likely, much uh, more likely. Warmer, PC, warmer. PC owners. There you go. Uh, and PC owners... Sorry, have, sorry. Sorry, buddy. Have a little bit of a surprise in that in previous every previous Call of Duty that came out on the PC, there was what they call a dedicated server. And we're going to try to brisk through this. But basically, I can go on the internet and I can say, oh, I want to run my own dedicated server so me and my friends can all play Call of Duty together on the PC um, on a server that we run and we control and we can have like such as special slots to make sure that we sh we're able to jump in and we can promote ourselves and say this is our website and have kind of our own community around it. Well, Infinity Ward, the people that make Call of Duty uh, proper, they decided that they want to remove dedicated servers from uh, Modern Warfare, Warfare 2 on the PC. And I have some mixed feelings about this, and I'd like to know, Jay, your reaction. I know that you played Modern Warfare on the Xbox, but I'm sure you still remember our PC days of Call of Duty 1 and 2. For sure. And uh, honestly, if, if I'm going to be totally honest about my experience with Modern Warfare 1, it was uh, it was very limited at best. I borrowed the game from a co-worker, and so I only played through the campaign. I never played multi at all. So I never had the kind of you know experience where I wanted to play it with multiple people. Um, but I honestly, I think while this sucks, my perspective is this is just... This is just a really big indicator of the way things are going now, you know. I mean, uh, Penny Arcade guys are always really quick to talk about the shift from PC to console gaming. Um, 
I think this is really indicative of the thing they've been preaching for years now, which is that there's a shift and that um, there are people who are going to suffer because of the shift, namely your brother, Haprish, yeah. um, who's getting owned by this. Um, but for me, a person who plans to get it on the 360, I don't care. And uh, that's sad that I've lost my roots, but um, it doesn't affect me because I'm going to play it on 360. So, See, I'm bad at these games on the 360. So I'm, I'm not great at them on the PC, mm. but I'm decent. On the 360, I fall apart. Well, that's a practice thing. So there but you. I don't want to practice. I know, but that's <laughs> then, then you just said what? It's my fault, right? So don't <sighs> comment on society if you're the loser, right? I have a deeper <laughs> fear, though. I have a deeper fear, and I want to talk to you guys about it because you're like my, my consigliere. Okay. My deeper fear is this. If my lack of motivation to learn video games, because back in the day I would sit for hours and sharpen my, my video gaming skills, you know? But I'm, a, I'm at a point where I have so many other things to do that I don't have time to get good at a video game. And the only time that that really matters, that doesn't matter in single player, because in single player, you can always win. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just, you just keep doing it, and you'll win. And that doesn't take a huge time investment. The refinement that's necessary there is relatively small. But in multiplayer, the, the range of skill is just huge and if I want to be even remotely competitive in a multiplayer environment I have to practice and I just don't care so my concern is that I'm gonna lose my geek cred well I don't, I don't I think, think so well maybe but I think <laughs> on something there is every time I've loaded in on the 360 for a multiplayer experience I have had my ass handed to me yeah. without a doubt without equivocation on the 360 some yes. frat boy bro will beat my ass into the ground <laughs> in five seconds flat. So that's the only thing that's making me kind of go, hmm, maybe I want to do Modern Warfare on the PC. Because this even extends to FIFA. Like, I thought I was great at FIFA, right? I, I mean, I'm new to soccer games. I don't play a lot of sports games. But I was doing great. I'm doing a, I'm doing a manager season, playing the Sounders, kicking ass. I've only lost one match. And I've only drawn two, and I've won the rest of them. I'm doing great. And so for um, I decided to do a, um, a season with some of the uh, supporters I've, I'm with for the Sounders. And I load in with my team. I decided to play Arsenal, who's one of the top teams in the English Premier League, against this other guy. And he rapes my face. I mean, destroys me <laughs> straight up. Nothing I could do makes me look like an idiot. And I'm like, well... I guess this isn't so fun now, is it? Right? <laughs> so now I'm kind of thinking maybe I don't want to load into Modern Warfare on the 360. So, I mean, there, it's a different kind of player. So you're absolutely right that maybe maybe I don't want to, which makes me kind of want to say maybe I want to load it on the PC and maybe I can play just with my friends where I'm not going to have these asshole bros who are going to kill me in two seconds. But then you can't because the dedicated servers are gone. Right, so maybe well, no, I... Uh... I never finished. Oh, well, you, know. you never do. Liar. <laughs> uh, there are no more private dedicated servers. So basically, it's set up just like the consoles. So I can't go mm -hmm. make my own. I have to rent it. If I want one, I have to rent it from Infinity Ward. Okay. So it's not... It's a it's a profitability thing, then. Yeah, and I need to double-check that, actually. But it, Well, if that's true, then they're not they're not necessarily trying to reduce piracy, although it will have that effect, and they're not necessarily doing X, Y, or Z. What they're really doing
doing is selling their game as a service. Yeah, and that's that's my question is that is that what they're doing or conversely are they concerned that the PC uh community is kind of falling apart over the last few years and this is kind of their injection into it into because the Xbox and PlayStation <clears throat> Uh, community has really taken off with shooters. Do they want to create the same kind of momentum on the PC? Because I don't the PC think is, they will. Uh, that's that's my question. Like, so you don't think they will? I don't think they. I don't think they will, and I don't think that they think that they will. Because we know why the why the console is taken off, and it's for the same reason you already mentioned. I think Jay, you mentioned the Penny Arcade guys are always talking about this. Why are consoles so popular? Because you can be a gamer without knowing how to build your own computer. Yeah. And you can be a gamer without knowing how to install and patch. And you can play with other people without knowing how to do any of that stuff. Well, but That's I'm, why consoles are so huge. And I think that's where the momentum comes from. Uh, you kind of hit on it, but there's another aspect there that you didn't quite mention, which is equally legit, is that uh, you, <laughs> by the time you need to upgrade your Xbox, there will be a new Xbox. Whereas with the PC, by the time you need to upgrade a PC, there goes three hundred, four hundred dollars. You know what I mean? At least, and, and that when there's a new Xbox, times. it'll play yeah. all your old games. Yeah, and so that's the reason why kind of. any kind of Bioware game I'm going to play, like for Dragon Age Origins, which I will play, I'm not going to play it on the PC because even though I have a great PC, I don't want to have to worry about it. On the 360, it's going to be scaled down to handle it on the PC. So I don't have to think. I don't have to be like, God, it's lagging. What do I do? Oh, I'll play it on lower quality. The 360 will manage that all for me. So here's another question. Uh, and it, no. it, definitely comes out of, it definitely comes out of that concept of selling a service. Not, maybe, maybe they're doing it for noble reasons or for ignoble reasons or whatever. But the, the idea of changing their pricing model, and it's definitely not something that it's not as if everybody has to buy it. It's not as if anybody has to buy it. But if you want what you used to have for free, now you have to pay for it. And that's a that's a slight shift in mindset when you're talking about you renting out public servers or whatever. Yeah, and um, the I, I was looking it up, and it kind of seems like they haven't really released very much information. I kind of assume that I'd be able to rent a server from them, and I may have read that somewhere online as well. But from what it seems is that there will at least be the same experience as you have on the Xbox on the PC in terms of when you fire up multiplayer, you just say, okay, I want to play free-for-all go. And you can say, oh, I want to join my friend. He's playing this game over here like you can on the Xbox. Mm -hmm. But in general, it's just kind of a random match. You say, I want to play, and then Microsoft says, okay, well, we've got 19 other people that want to play this 20-player game, so let's start it. And it and it starts it, or it finds one that's already playing. So they're kind of removing, they're removing the server from the equation. Right. Yeah. What they're doing so, is you, you throw yourself into a bucket of people that want to play a game, and when and the it, bucket is full, yeah. the game starts. The ride starts or whatever. Essentially. Well, that's interesting. It's interesting for, uh, obviously, all the reasons that you guys are thinking. It's totally, the, my thing is, for example, Team Fortress 2, I'm still playing that game on a weekly basis, maybe an hour or two. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I do it is because I have found five or six servers where the guys are just really cool. Like, I don't sit there and talk to them, but they're just 
on my wavelength, I guess. It's never I'm I'm never terrible. I'm often pretty good, but like I'll find other servers where I'll just be terrible, you know. And supposedly the quote unquote live matchmaking service is supposed to do that for you, but honestly, I've had the same experience as Jay as I'll get on there like Modern Warfare 1 or uh, World at War or Gears of War. <laughs> Uh, war, 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 changes. Um, <clears throat> uh, any of those shooters, I, oh, Halo specifically, uh, I am, I'm good at shooters, but I jump on the Xbox and I'm pretty decent with the controller, you know, I'm not terrible mm-hmm. and, but I just, I'm always in the bottom 10%, always, no matter how much I play. And so, therefore, I just think the matchmaking services fail, at least for me. And so, I'm not really looking forward to that being my only method of play on the PC. Um, so, I don't know. I'm, But really, honestly, this was all bait just for me to be able to say, really, the only reason I play these games is to play it with my friends. And I play Team Fortress 2 because my brother can jump in and play with me or I play Left 4 Dead for the same reason. And so whether I buy it on PC or Xbox really depends on who do I think I'm really going to play it with. If I expect to play it with my brothers, I'm going to buy it on the PC. If I expect to play it with any of my other friends, I'm going to be buy it on the Xbox. Because there's no way I'm spending $120 unless I somehow find it for like cheap. Like I'm not buying two versions of the game. And even if someone gets it for me, if someone got me both, that'd be one thing. But if someone got me one, I'm not going to buy the other one. You know, it seems like a waste of money. So that's another mm-hmm. question. Do you think we will ever get to a point where developers start selling games instead of selling versions of games for certain platforms? Please, God. And because media. All, all it's all connected media. to the internet. Yeah. All you have to do is say, these two accounts can't be logged in at once. Can I please have a movie on my like on a disc or on my 360 and on my iPhone, please? Disney <laughs> says yes. God. Disney says yes. Yes, they released this last week. This I should have remembered this. Uh, they're gonna have this new thing, and uh, I'm sure Audrey's like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" But uh, she <laughs> probably knew about this already. Um, god, it's called like Keystone or something. Essentially, they want to release, uh, and I'm sure it will cost. 20 more. to 30 percent more, Assholes. but you'll be able to forever, supposedly, get your media that you buy on any version. So if I spend 40 bucks for Aladdin, I can have the, I, I like originally get maybe the Blu-ray, but I can go online and to their Keystone site or whatever it's called, and I'm able to pull down like the iPhone version, or I'm able to stream it to my Xbox, or I can say, okay, send me the DVD, and they charge me a dollar or something. You know, so that they're looking into that. They're, I don't know if there's... They've officially announced it, but um, there's no real details about it. So Anyways... I think it's called, like, Keystone. Or... I, I'll find it and put it in the show notes. But I, I wanted to say with the World of Goo, if I... I haven't bought the game. I, I didn't buy it in the birthday sale. I meant to, but, like, I just couldn't spare the five bucks. Right, because um, that's how much I was going to pay. But uh, anyways, 
Uh, that's more than $2. Come on. So I was going to say, if I had previously purchased the game on the Wii, which I believe it came out on the Wii first for WiiWare, then I would have paid uh, a penny to get it on the PC because that, that's how I think it should be. That's a valid point. That's a valid point. Yeah, absolutely. You're almost paying. See, I would bump that up. I would say ninety-nine cents to a buck ninety-nine, which I, is yeah, the same cost as an no, iPhone app. Absolutely. But what you're what you're saying is it's media cost. So mm. there is there is port, like I understand that there is labor that goes into putting it on these different systems, but as a consumer, as a dumb consumer, like not that you're dumb, but as as a not in the no consumer, I don't care if it costs you more to put it on my different devices. You're offering right, right. it on the Wii, you're offering it on the three sixty, you're offering it on the PC. Well it's not it's not as if you're doing that just for me. Yeah. You were gonna do that anyway. That cost is already built into your development cost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now if I come along and I say, Look, look guys, listen, I just invented this piece of hardware. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want you to make your game work on my Well remember the Phantom? Do you guys remember that? God. The it never Phantom happened. console? Oh. That thing was a yeah, Phantom PC console. Jay, do you remember that? Probably not. No, I don't. Oh, right. we'll it sounds later. familiar, but it's amazing. It was this fake console that never never happened, never came out and uh it it was like the how would you describe it? Like Netflix instant streaming on the Xbox 360, but for all of your video games? Oh. Yeah, for PC, though. You're right. Basically, yeah. Real yeah. real dumb. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so that's that's pretty much it. I want to see... I, I want to see the matchmaking services get better based on achievements and based on where people actually are in the game. Because I never want to be in a game where I suck, just like you're talking about, Rev. I never want to be in those games where I just get torn apart. And I would love to see, like, Wii, Wii Tennis already does it. All you need to do, guys, is model your matchmaking service after Wii Tennis. The first <laughs> time I play, it assesses my skills and gives me a score. And after that, I'm always playing with people who are just slightly better than me in the score. Like, why is that hard? I guess there are ways to get around that, but the average player is not going to go in and suck for 10 games so they can get into an easy game and then dominate for five minutes. Mm -hmm. And your system should be able to prohibit them from doing that. Yep. So, I agree. Let's improve that. It's interesting that they're moving away from an actual server resource system and moving into, I, I almost want to call it virtualization, but I don't think that's the right word. But they're moving into more of a queuing and delivery model where you don't have a, a single server and everybody's trying to get into this server or that server. You just have a... a a tub of people <laughs> that want different things and you have a, or a bucket or whatever of people that want different things and then on the back end you have requirements to provision resources for those individuals and once the individuals meet the requirements you provision the resources mm. i think that's a good way of doing it um yeah and and the last thing is from this little section of the show is please developers or not even developers whoever's listening to this who has control over this stuff um just let us buy the game we'll buy the game you're selling IP anyway, just sell us different versions of that IP. And if that means that we have to log into Microsoft Live or Steam in order to no. play the game... No, wait, wait. Rescind that statement, remove one of those companies, and save the other one. 
Okay. If that means that we have to log into Steam in order to play the game so that you can verify that we aren't playing it on two systems simultaneously, I'm okay with that. Yep. That's Same. A, that's all I got. Seems um, easy. In fact, that's all we got. That's pretty much it for the podcast tonight, unless you guys have any uh, uh, closing thoughts. Blizzard does it. They yeah, it. that's it. That's all I have to say about that. Battle, battle net for the win. Blizzard does it. You can do it too. Yeah. Seriously, they they don't even do that professionally. If you're Steam, well, I guess that's not fair. Steam can do that. I will say that the recent uh, EA games, The Sims and Spore, they do it. So I don't know. Yeah, more of that. We'll see more of that. But what what that doesn't necessarily mean. So right now they're doing that to protect themselves, but they haven't integrated that into a, into a product model that benefits us in yeah. any way. Does that make sense? Yep. So what we need to see is for them to say, okay, now we have this system in place, and yes, this absolutely prevents piracy, which is great. Let's prevent piracy, absolutely. And once that's done, let me have better access to the IP that I'm paying you for. There's no reason not to. Yep. Um... So, any other any other closing arguments or? Nope, that's it over here. You rest your cases. All right. I rest my voice. So you can find Please. us on Twitter at twitter.com/slash/forkedcast. I actually tried to use that Twitter account this week. I made a, a trivia. I saw that. And nobody kind of screwed it. it up. I laughed I at did you. Not. You posted it on two accounts. Oh, I did. But then I erased one. But I saw your mistake. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I posted a trivia. Um, nobody answered it, so please follow us on Twitter so that you can respond to the uh, occasional trivia question that I throw up there. And uh, you may win a prize. You won't, but you I didn't think that I qualified. <laughs> you don't. Yeah, so I don't feel bad. Surprisingly, uh, no one else We should either. give a prize. We should give a prize. Um, you can have something from Rev's desk. Rev, what do you got on your desk? Um... Possibly Jay's DS. I hate hey, you. You could win Jay's DS. It's the full version, though. No one cares. Can't have no it. Cares. It's a DS. The technology <laughs> is still amazing. <laughs> okay, so um, follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash BorkedCast. Uh, visit us on the web at BorkedCast.com. You can definitely hit us up. We at uh, BorkedCast.com for the email there. Um, you can wave us. I am CD Eagle at googlewave.com. <laughs> so please Let's start early on. <laughs> please wave me now. <laughs> In addition to the waving, uh, there are some other means of, of contact. You can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash CD Eagle. You can find Rev on Twitter at twitter.com slash revoked. And you can find Tessin, you know, Jay on Twitter at twitter.com slash Tessin, T-E-S-S-O-N. You know and if box. you heard a loud noise, it's because I just hit a bag of chips with my hand accidentally. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sometimes at the end of a podcast, I just I want to punch chips. a bag of chips. I hate chips. Frito-Lays. Keep them around and just knock them around a little bit. I do. I do. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you very much for joining us for this episode of Borked. We enjoyed making it. We hope you enjoyed listening to it. Please kick us some feedback if you feel so inclined. We will talk about it and you on the show, so be prepared for that. And uh, I think that's it for this week. We'll talk to you next week. Until then, stay nerdy. Do the song. All sick and everything.
<laughs> that makes me want to watch uh, Mystery Science Theater for some reason. That's all I have. I gave you everything. Mm-hmm.